Well, the word solution is what they're trying to do day in and night, what they're feeding us a bunch of, you know what? Mm-hmm. These are not solutions. These are band-aids and their pus is oozing. What we need are solutions. And those are like getting back to the soil level from the soil to the soul. Welcome to Care More, Be Better, a podcast for people like you who care about the social impact of conscious companies and everyday heroes. Hear inspiring stories from those who put people and planet before profit and personal gain. You'll learn how you can make a difference, vote with your dollars, and get involved today. Here's your host, Karina Belizzi. Hello, fellow do-gooders and friends. I'm your host, Karina Belizzi, an activist and cause marketer who's passionate about social impact and sustainability today. And always, every day. <laughs> so I'm going to share a little bit with you today about the future leaning of this podcast in the spirit of the summer solstice and the spirit of growth of long days and sunny afternoons that hopefully you're out there enjoying, perhaps a little bit more than I am as I'm tethered to my desk here. So I want to take a moment to share a podcaster's perspective. We podcasters thrive on one thing more than most. We thrive on feedback, on appreciation. And sometimes that's as simple as sending us a note to our email addresses or writing a review on Apple Podcasts. That has a lot of weight to it because the world sees it and it makes us happy, makes us feel appreciated. So if you are a listener or if you're discovering this show for the first time and you enjoy it, I encourage you to do so. Just send me a note. Hello at caremorebebetter.com. Get straight to my inbox. You can even recommend future topics on shows or other things that you'd like to see me cover, questions you might even have for future guests. And on that note, I'm going to pose a bit of a reminder today. I will soon be interviewing on this show, Dr. William Muma. He is a Nobel laureate who shares that prize for his work as a climate scientist, along with Al Gore for the production of An Inconvenient Truth. And he bears that because he was the lead author of the first five intergovernmental panels on climate change. That's the IPCC report you might hear about if you listen to other sustainability shows. I tend not to use the acronym too much because, heck, most people don't understand it, but IPCC is Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. At any rate, I shared an episode of Nutrition Without Compromise yesterday on this podcast feed for those of you that already listened to the show, because I wanted you to be able to hear from Dr. Muma himself about his perspective the fact that he even helped to coin the term proforestation, something I've talked about before as we cover topics of regeneration. So I'd invite you to go and check out that podcast, Nutrition Without Compromise. You could subscribe to that show even. And if you do give it a listen, I'd like for you to think about what other questions you might have for Dr. Muma. You can send them to my email box. You can send me them via Instagram, whatever's easiest for you. Ultimately, I want to be able to share with him ideas, thoughts, questions from the community when he comes on Care More, Be Better. So with that, I'm going to go ahead and head in right to our intro. Okay, so today I have a special guest for you, and that is the lovely and amazing Donna Maltz. Now, Donna happens to live on the big island of Kona where she is happily enjoying a semi-retirement. And I'm saying semi because she does a lot in her day-to-day. She does a lot to really work to make the world a better place each and every day. And she's got this whole perspective of going from soil to soul. So supporting our soil and our souls so that we can create a better world. This ties nicely to topics of regeneration, to really thinking about each of our footprint on this planet and how we can together make the world a better place. She likes to be called Mama Donna, (laughs) and she's a catalyst for change that really works to empower us to all live with clarity and stay true to our personal missions. So as you get to know her, think about whether or not you could benefit from her services, or if you'd like to subscribe to her newsletter, or even just be a part of that Soil to Soul Academy. Without further ado, I'll bring Donna straight up. Donna, welcome to the show. 
Well, I am so honored to be here. Aloha, everyone. And I'm so grateful to you, Karina, for bringing all these change makers, thought leaders, and social and environmental justice activists together to really care more, be better, and shine all of our light into the world. Thank you for the opportunity to be on this platform. And I just wanted to mention to everyone, some of you listeners might have already tasted it or had this, but I did, like Corina, was in the natural food industry for 15 years, and I developed the first organic cocoa and chocolate syrup in the nation under the brand Alaska. So Karina and I met over branding and, and really looking at like, what are we doing with our lives and our careers from the soil to the soul? How can we as women empower others to be the change like Gandhi said, we must see in the world. And in addition to that, both of us in the food, in the natural foods industry, serving people for 37 years, I ran the first natural organic restaurant in the state of Alaska. And I'm actually, I don't live in the state of Kona. I wanted to make everybody know there is no state of Kona in Hawaii. It is the big island. The big and island. That's the right. The big island. And, and Kona, we call it Koma because that is where the industrial complex is. And that is what is the industrial food system is like, that's why I look at coma. And every time we go to coma, we have to jump in the ocean before we come to Kohala, where I live on the northern tip of the big uh, island. I see. Which well, distinction. I've heard it called interchangeably. I've been to the big island. It's a beautiful space. And the North Shore is more remote as it is with most of the islands. So a little more yes. tropical, a little bit more wild and a beautiful space. Well, thank yeah. you for joining us today. As we get started, I want to connect on the topic of this podcast. Tell us what does care more, be better mean to you? Care more, be better means from the soil to the soul. It means <laughs> See, living like the future matters. I suspected that you would tie it directly. And that's why I wanted to kind of bring it up. You hear yeah. slogan, why retire when I can inspire? Why are you still working on the beautiful big island when you could be slow living and perhaps stepping into a different type of retirement? You know, why retire when you can inspire anybody who's listening to this? I mean, I just got my Medicare card and it was a huge awakening to me. And it really put even additional fire under my belly to regeneration in my book, Living Like the Future Matters. I talk about that in the last chapter, which is called Regeneration, like Paul and I met each other when he was writing that book, Regeneration. And it is like the healthier we are, the healthier the world is going to be. Hmm. And if I am 65 on Medicare, and I think about all these people who are on drugs and eating from the industrial food complex diet, they have a responsibility and the ability to inspire these young, the younger generations. We can't expect them to clean up the mess that we've made. Hmm. And the fire in my belly comes when I listen to, you know, a lot of your, your different podcasts, but one that I listened to most recently, which I absolutely love is that 22 years old, this woman, Clover mm. Hogan, who is a climate activist, who's done so much. And if you guys haven't listened to that episode, tune in. It's amazing. She's very that young. What I, I called her more accomplished at 22 than I am at 45. You know, I, the reality yeah. is she got her start as a climate activist when she was only really 13 years old. And so in that short time, in those nine years, less than a decade, she has made an impact. But I think a big part of that impact is because I think media is really starting to understand that you need to go to the future and going to the future is going to youth. So she's getting coverage in places like Forbes. Since that episode aired, she was nominated by Forbes as a 30 under 30 to watch. And yeah. so it's surprising because she's in the not-for-profit space. And how yeah. many times do you see Forbes jump out and say, here's somebody in our 30 under 30 and they're in the not-for-profit space? Not very yeah. often. And correct me if I'm wrong there. Maybe there will be someone listening who's like, actually, these three people were also nominated. I just don't recall seeing it. Well, here's her, Greta, all of these young people, why retire when I can inspire? Even me for you being an elder, I could be your mom, Karina. Okay. <laughs> I am relentlessly out there in a loving, compassionate mama Donna way. 
inspiring change makers and thought leaders and social and environmental activists to step it up. We need to escalate this whole process. And I'm also hopefully inspiring more elders like myself and all these beautiful uh, Native Americans leaders out there who are really aging. They have so much to teach and thank God so many of them are out there or the universe or whatever who are really championing this and, and with organizations such as the Bioneers, which I absolutely love. If you tuned into them, listeners, the Bioneers is an amazing organization that is really working on uh, caring more and being better. Well, and they're creating bio-oriented solutions, right? Looking at the human experience, we're part of a biome, right? We are part of a biome. And, you know, speaking of biome, you know, the other thing about why retire when I can inspire and living like the future matters, it all ties into the microbiome, to the microbiome of the soil, to the microbiome in our gut microbiology. And you're looking at our brain and how our brain, it looks like mycelium when you look at it under a microscope. And we are nature. That's, that's right. And the closer we get to nature, the closer we get to our true nature. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing with Soil to Soul Academy? What is this all about? How can people get involved? Well, the Soul to Soul Academy has been incubating inside of me probably for 20 years. And it's running a restaurant, national company, having a kid. All the things that I did back then were the incubation for this. And when I wrote the book, Living Like the Future Matters, I realized when people read it that they wanted to learn how to be a social and environmentally responsible business owner. And I have a quote in the book that I start out my book and it says, since the ice age, Business has changed the world faster than anything. It is ethical businesses and business leaders with the moral courage that have the ability and the responsibility to change things for the better, the faster, care more, be better. Another right. Well, Don Mama Donna, I want to bring this up because I think that's it clearly resonates with a couple of things that I think come up from many circles, specifically in the sustainability space, which relate to how little our personal responsibility for the climate actually matters in the scope of things. Like we're akin to a rounding error. Each individual is, if they were to live as clean as possible, remove their carbon imprint, essentially be living in a regenerative household, uh, farming their own food and not creating a lot of omissions, planting trees, doing everything right, right? That person's impact would be akin to a point zero 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 three percent. And so when we look to industry, you know, I again, we could be living a hundred percent as cleanly as possible. We could not be using all these electronic devices and slurping Wi-Fi and cell towers and everything else that we impact or driving a car, doing whatever. Or listening to my husband who forgot to turn off his cell phone. These <laughs> It's actually interesting that it went off at this time. It's not mine. It's his. Uh, because that has been part of this, this huge problem. And it could be part of this huge, which I call soul, S-O-U-L, solutions. We're connected all the time. So what, you know, what I'm kind of, you know, alluding to is the fact that even when we're living the most mindful existence, the impact we're making isn't huge. And that can be really daunting. That can make you feel like, okay, well, great. I'm calling it in. It's not even worth trying because, you know, I'll just pitch all my plastic trash in the river as opposed to caring about where it ends up. Right. I mean, this is the extreme example, Right. but it can get to the point where it just feels like there's no difference I can make. So Let's oh, talk about remaining optimistic. Right. Remaining optimistic. And that is why the Soil is Soul to Soul Academy is happening is because you're right as an individual, but I want, I kept going, no, 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 no. I'm very animated. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, everybody is, it's your business, how you live your life. Right. So your business starts right there. So you can learn right there, health, family, business, right. We got to prioritize those things because if we're not healthy and we're not in healthy relationships and we're or at work or at home, that's your family our businesses are going to be unhealthy. So the first responsibility is at home to you taking care of recycling, eating those algae green drinks and being so conscious is great, but why not create a business around that? Because your social and environmental impact is going to be greater. So the soul to soul Academy is, is teaching people how to first be healthy 
understand how to help healthy relationships and building in, in, in your community, in your homes, and then how to do that in your business. Because the reason most businesses fail is because they don't know how to talk to people. They don't know how to be compassionate and loving and caring. Business is, to me, is just, this is business right here. And but getting to the heart of the matter. And teaching that through the Soul to Soul Academy, we are going to have more love, more compassion, more caring. People are going to be better because that is part of having a Soul to Soul business or that is part of being an eco-entrepreneur. It's understanding that connection from the soil to the soul. You don't start a business being an a-hole, excuse me. <laughs> There's enough a-holes out there and they are so overbloated with these oversized ego that they're constipated and they're making us constipated and they're getting into our psyche and we are turned into sheeple people or clones mm-hmm. and enough is enough yeah right. I, when i say no no it's just because our little thing isn't going to make that much of a difference it is right. you doing what you're doing every day is making a difference now let's magnitude what you're doing let's turn it into a business because it is what's going to help change your family, your community, your state, the world. Well, we got the Mama Donna soapbox. I get it. <laughs> you're doing it. And I love you for what you're doing. So here's here's a, you know, kind of bringing it back to the beginning of this, at least part of our conversation. You know, you essentially said that business can make the biggest impact. And I think that's what my perspective is as well. However, having a personal responsibility in that you can actually affect change. I mean, it's everything from the purchasing decisions you make Mm -hmm. to the way you lead your daily life to how you raise your children and guide those around you to the conversations that you inspire, like the ones that we're having today. And as I'm reflecting on this, I'm also thinking about a podcast I guested on just last week, which was A Sustainable Mind which is led by Marjorie Alexander. She's an incredible interviewer. And she asked me a question specifically about how you build a regenerative business from the beginning, right? Mm -hmm. And then another question about, okay, well, how do you do it later? And this later question is actually the harder one to get to, because if you are mindfully building a business from the very beginning where you're saying, okay, well, what is the carbon impact of how I'm conducting this? And how many resources do I need versus what am I buying? And okay, well, what is the life cycle of this particular raw material that I'm using? And what was the impact that that raw materials creation or that materials creation had on the environment? I mean, it gets very complex, but if you're architecting it from the beginning that way, then you can create something that's different than if you started from a more extractive perspective and are now having to retool it. That being said, there is value in doing that and going through that hard work. And there are really great leading companies that are choosing to now do that hard work. Mm -hmm. And it's ultimately like deconstructing their products and then trying to reassemble them. Too often, though, what I see is that companies will say, oh, we'll just go ahead and create a sustainable product. We'll create an offshoot. We'll create a sneaker made from algae, but we're still going to stay with all this other material that we've used, right? And they do it as an offshoot, and it's more like a market test, like will consumers buy this? And if they don't buy it, if it flops, then they kind of retract and they retreat to the world of just creating the extractive products that they had before. And so especially when we see big companies make these leaps, I think all of us need to be like, that's fantastic. We love you for this and go out and support that product because it will direct that company's change. It will direct the resources that they put behind those sorts of initiatives because they're seeing that the community, that the customer community that is out there is actually supportive of it. And so where this might be a slippery slope in some cases, I think specifically when we're talking about things like wearables or technology that's more sustainable, lean in, support those companies, give them a little credit when credit's due and push for more change, more of that, more of what they have been doing to correct action. At least that's my perspective. That's so good. I have so much I want to share with you on that. And first of all, I want to refer back to another one of your shows that Zach Stern, you just interviewed him not too long ago. Yeah, Zach Stein. Carbon Mm -hmm. Collective. And I have to say it was very interesting. I even shared it on my Facebook group page. I'm having my husband read it. But there is so much of it that I had a hard time sipping the (sighs) Coca-Cola. 
<laughs> I, I just couldn't down that, whether it's an aluminum or glass or, or plastic. The point is what you're saying and what this question that this podcaster asked you is fantastic and is something that it always comes kind of shocking when it comes out of Mama Donna's mouth, who has solar panels and drives and the most carbon neutral vehicles and who is as energy efficient. We call ourselves the one light bulb family because we never have one light bulb on at a time, except when I'm doing these shows, because you need to have really good lighting if you don't have mm -hmm. enough lighting. And that's a good thing to think about. Are you a one light bulb family? Mm -hmm. Okay. But here's the problem with all of this renewable and all of this generative talk about energy and all, where I really have a problem because we're looking at solutions. We're not looking at the word, which I'd like to get into soul, S-O-U-L, solutions more. Because all this energy and all this extraction that we're doing to produce all these battery-run cars and, and our phones and, and all the electronics that we use, we're mining for chromium, all these minerals, all these resources are coming from the earth, right? And we know mm -hmm. that. We understand that, right? We, most people do. It, it's huge. I mean, I don't want to go over the numbers right now, but there, it's growing every day and the pits are getting deeper and the resources are getting scarcer. They're non-renewable resources, most of the, or all of them. But the thing that struck me in what you just said about this later with this podcast, you're like, is what happens to the waste, Okay, what happens to the whole value chain system of these batteries? I look at it as the next nuclear disaster. Mm -hmm. And I don't value the idea. And this is where I love being involved with these younger, the younger generations. We need solutions. And the solution is not how we can get all this alternative renewables so we can live the same lifestyle, which gets back to what you said earlier, that this personal person's doing all these things is only this nano percentage. It's mm -hmm. huge. That is the business of what I'm trying to do is get the, if, could you imagine if even 3.5 billion of the people on the planet out of close to 8 billion started living like that? That's a business to teach people how to live better with less, to live with more of this, to look into people. Mm -hmm eyes, to care about nature, to get out into nature. There are companies out now that are doing incredible solutions. They're doing things like in China, this, they, they created this sponge city. I don't know if you heard about it, but it's a sponge type of algae system and ways to sequester carbon, create breathable, habitable air so people can even get outside for yeah. thousands people a day die in China because of air pollution, because know, of it's terrible. carbon, because of batteries that they're making for our solar panels. Mm -hmm. they, and I'm saying this is a bridge. I'm not saying don't do it. We got to stop the fossil fuels. We got to stop digging up dead plants and animals and dinosaurs. That is our karma. You dig up a grave. What happens? Right. Well, this is exactly what we're we're doing is we're borrowing from the future and we're not living within means. Like mm -hmm. we, we think about things from a means perspective being cash, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm living within my means, but we're not living within what our climate means are. We're not living within what is a truly sustainable world. And this is why lead environmentalists have in, abandoned the term sustainability. They don't That's even like that it's in my show title right there. Right. They don't like that. They say, "I look, this is all greenwashing. It's a bunch of BS. Right. The things that people are saying is are sustainable is just simply not true. We need to get to a regenerative business world and a regenerative systemic world or we are done. Mm -hmm. And they'll say done as and not not like tentatively done, not like possibly done, done like our planet won't support life in 200 years. That's mm -hmm. four generations. Mm -hmm. And we have how many years to get this right now? We have maybe the next 20 yeah, to really get solutions in place because there's this thing called climate lag, which is really hard to wrap your brain around. Yeah. But what it means is that even if we were to stop all emissions, all carbon emissions today, we would still experience the negative effects of our warming oceans. We would still experience the negative effects of the carbon that's in the atmosphere for another 20 or more years. Yes. And so we need to get to a space where we understand this, where we ingrain it, and where we also come to 
learn and grow to live with less and less from all aspects of life. Like not just, oh, you know, I need to have 16 different outfits in my, you know, collection for the spring every year. Who needs 16 different outfits every spring? You know, you build a wardrobe that you can sustain over time. I have friends in my community. They're like, oh, well, I just apply to, you know, this, this other stitch fix or whatever, and they ship them clothes each and every month. Mm -hmm. I don't think that we need a world in which our mind is so focused on the outward of what we look like of the things that we wear to mean our personhood that we get stuck in this. I think we need to think about our impact and the flightiness of things like fashion and say goodbye to fast fashion. Think okay. about things from a durable perspective. I mean, it's just step one, right? Mm -hmm. And then to start to think about the food that we're putting into our body and the effect it has mm -hmm. and how that food is procured and whether or not it's made with a lot of chemicals that wash into our water tables. Right. These are all the things like when you say soil to soul, yes. I want to get back to this discussion of soil and what we're doing to our planet Earth and its soil reserves. Yeah. So we have 60 years or less of farmable soil left. So as far as people seeing the prices of commodities and at the gas station, prices are going crazy. We're entering a recession. The only difference between one person's perspective of a recession and a depression is the person next door to you is in a depression when they lose their home and everything they've worked so hard for, and you're still hanging on by a thread. And that's what was happening right now. People are in denial. They're in denial about the magnitude of the crisis. And But here's the thing. I don't focus on that. There's enough people talking about that. Mm. I focus on solutions. And I want to share with the listeners right now the difference between a solution and a solution. And I think that this will help even people like just the word regenerative mm. is so much more powerful, powerful than sustainable. Well, the word solution is what they're trying to do day in and night, what they're feeding us a bunch of, you know what? Mm -hmm. These are not solutions. These are band-aids and their pus is oozing. What we need are solutions. And those are like getting back to the soil level from the soil to the soul. Okay. If we are, have a kid who's crying and who is just, you can't, this is, this is a solution. And it's driving me crazy. Well, what do we do? I put some duct tape on them, throw them in the closet, close the door, quiet. <laughs> That's what we're doing in every single industry. That's what we're doing in our school systems, our education systems, our political systems, the economy. Those are solutions right now. They're working. We don't hear the kid crying. Everything's fine. We don't hear the planet crying. Fine. We don't hear the, the, what's going on in the domestic violence or whatever because we just put it back there. Or we throw some stuff into the media, into the news, and we get everybody so screaming, freaked out. And that's why I wrote this my book in the middle of the pandemic called Conscious Cures, mm -hmm. Solutions to 21st Century Pandemics. And I just did a rewrite of it and I just got to get it out there. But I look at the root cause of these soil issues of these problems. And I look at the root cause of the health pandemic. And I look at those, the six pandemics. First, the environmental pandemic. The soil is sick, we're doomed the political pandemic, economic pandemic, food drug pandemic, inequality pandemic. I think I already said economic pandemic, but yeah. you know, there's six of them. And I look at them and I look at the, they're all there to, to oh, fear media conspiracy. That's mm. fear. <laughs> I feel like that's part of the political problem. <laughs> it's part of the political problem. Yes. Because the politicians are owned by the big corporations. Yeah, mostly big pharma and big oil. <laughs> Let's be that's real. Right. Food and drug. That's why that is the main in conscious cure solutions to 21st century. So what it all comes back to is the number one pandemic that we have to clear up, which is these are all global pandemics, every one of them, is the environmental pandemic. Because without the environment, we don't have to worry about anything because we're we're doomed. So this should be the number one pressing issue. There should be no duct tape on anything about this center front news 
day in and day out until we get this right. But so I'm curious about your perspective as it relates to kind of the climate justice, just because this ties to the social impact of our climates and how we have this inequity between here in the West and somebody living somewhere else in a smaller country with less resources or a smaller economic power. Many spaces around the globe, they're feeling the ravages of our climate change much worse than we're seeing it here because they don't necessarily have the same resources at their grasp. They don't have an air conditioner. They don't have, you know, heating and cooling the same way that we do. And those things are changing pretty rapidly. But we in the West are creating much more of the pollution on a per capita basis than in some of these other spaces. And as access improves, those demographics are going to shift. But I'm just curious what your perspective is about that climate justice and, and how we address the inequities. This is such a good good point. I'm really grateful you're bringing this up because the problem is, is that, or one of the problems, and we'll go to the solution about this, most of the Western world lifestyle is being produced in these third world countries, in these smaller villages that are being impacted by the cities and the water systems and that are filtering down into these smaller communities. A lot of these smaller communities have lost their whole culture, their whole, all their farmland, their dignity to these major corporations. Look what's happening in the rainforest. It's just despicable. And there's oil spills happening right in the rainforest as we speak. There are fires blazing. And what are they doing? They're producing palm oil and they're producing cattle and they're producing resources that the Western world is addicted to. And that's something we haven't really addressed yet is this addiction to the American dream is so part of not living like the future matters. Can we just say the American dream is toxic? I mean, yes. can we say that? That's my, my whole book is about addiction to the American dream. Living like the future matters is not being addicted to the American dream. And it creates personal addictions. And when you're addicted, and this comes back to health family business, Karina, when you're sick and you're addicted, it's almost impossible to give up this. And we have become addicted to this unsustainable world. And it's at the expense of getting back to what you were just saying earlier of exploiting and destroying the lands of these other people in these other countries. Mm -hmm. And it's, we're, we're, who, who said well, unfortunately, that? it's not something we can solve while we're on this podcast, but no, hopefully we'll continue right? <laughs> to, to inspire people to, right. to act and to change their buying habits. Yeah. To date, I am proud to say I've worked in this natural products industry for a long, long time. I have formulated hundreds of products. I've yes. never once worked with palm kernel oil, not once. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's been on the docket like, oh, well, let's just get our vitamin A from palm kernel oil or let's just get, oh, uh, well, it's used to um, as an emulsifier. I mean, yeah, you don't want to use trans fats like this is a, this is a good alternative. I'm like. It's not a good alternative because even supporting a so-called sustainable farm, you know, just by using palm kernel oil, you're encouraging the use of palm kernel oil, which is kind of the problem we have with oil and gas, right? <laughs> just mm -hmm. by using even a little, you're encouraging the use of it. Yes. And so I'm on a quest here to reduce our reliance on these fuels. I, I did have an electric car for a while and we turned it in after the lease because it wasn't our favorite. And I'm considering buying another used one, but I'm back to gas for now mm -hmm. and just trying to drive a lot less. You know, yes. I, I only. There you go. Yes, yeah. there you go. There drive you go. a lot less, you know, bike if I can, walk to the store. When I go to pick up my kids, I make it a part of the circuitous trip. I'm only leaving my house once a day, if that, in order mm -hmm. to get them all in this kind of circle, go to the store if I need to, come back home mm -hmm. so that I'm not spending a lot of time in my vehicle. But I want to I want to just jump in here right now because you mm -hmm. said something earlier and I want the listeners to be really clear. The word less means more, more love, more time with people that you care about, more time in nature, more time in the garden. It doesn't mean it means less BS is what it mm -hmm. means. It means more quality of life. And that's what we want to talk about is more better. More what better. Is, who mm -hmm. told you that these other things like buying these clothing, getting this clothing to ship once a month from a factory in a third world country made by children is the way 
is better because you get more yeah. clothes. This yeah, is I mean, more isn't better. No. So I, I would point people to an earlier episode more, where I interviewed Dr. Yeah. Dr. Vimal Thomas George. I mean, he is a medical doctor, right? He comes from India and he comes from a community where he even talks about the fact that, you, you know, you didn't have utensils, like they were considered a luxury. Mm -hmm. Today, we consider having the latest iPhone within a month of it coming out a luxury. Why is this part of how we view ourselves in the world? Why have we allowed that to feed our ego and not the power of the way we're able to lead our lives with the people that we love? I have my cell phone here. This is an Android. I've had it for five years mm -hmm. and I will probably have it for another year or two before it goes completely kaput. Right. It's cracked on the back and it's got some issues, but it works. And yeah. as long as it works, it will serve. And, and once it's, we, I'm sorry, I just want to get because I'm I'm always yeah. forgetting. Go go about, about this. Like, what a fabulous business model for Apple or the Android company or to jump in and saying you will never have to buy another hardware again in your life because you're subscribed to us, and that for forty nine dollars every two years, we're going to send you the tiniest little microchip to update your phone in such a way that you're, th this is going to be like a new phone. Yeah, you can download apps and all of this, but this is a, spe a specialized type of thing. Same thing with our cars. Why aren't they not building the bodies of the cars in such a way that every three to five years, because it's not trendy to buy this model. Yeah, they do have recycling programs and some of them are better than others. I know both Android and Apple have those facilities to recycle your phone. So they literally will break it down to its raw components and and take out the rare earth minerals yes. that are used within it. But, you know, they've become less modular. If you'll remember 20 years ago or less even, <laughs> we had cell phones that had removable batteries and SIM chips and all that. So you could just update your phone and it's becoming less commonplace now. So it's just a brick once it's lived its life or you broke the screen, you almost have to get it replaced. So I'm seeing a reemergence of the so-called repair economy. Yeah. And this is a conversation that's continuing in different arenas. I will say that even when, for instance, our air conditioner went nearly kaput, we replaced the coils. And right. that meant that we were no longer expelling Freon into the atmosphere, which is one of those greenhouse gases that you cannot pull down, right? You can't draw right. it down. So repair before you replace, try to think of the life cycle of a product, consider cradle to cradle and not just cradle, cradle, to, cradle. to grave. Because if, soul. yeah, right. Cradle mm -hmm. to cradle, not cradle to grave, because if we're in this cradle to grave perspective, we're just making our own. That's right. Exactly. No, that's so beautifully said. When I was a kid, we had repair shops. My mom would take her shoe broke. She went to the shoemaker. The toaster broke. We went to the appliance store, the blender, same thing. You got stuff, clothes that you change your size. You went to the tailor. And these guys had booming businesses. And their cottage industries, their community building. I knew Rocco, the shoemaker, and Leo, the tailor. These were like part of our extended family. Hey, Leo. Hey, Rocco. You know, and then you come and you get your things back and you could feel the craftsmanship. You could almost feel the love that these people put in and the dignity that they had to do that. And these are huge opportunities coming up for people when you talk about building a new economy based on repair, based on more love, more compassion, less stuff. Well, let's and talk for a moment about what Patagonia is doing with Warnware. Yes. I mean, they're making it kind of cool. Like this is one of the things I will say I love about them. And, and you know, they're still using a lot of plastics in their yes. products, but they will repair any item of clothing that they have ever made at their repair shops Absolutely. and they are selling used versions of their clothes in their retail shops nice. right alongside the new product. And so people can make a choice to buy something and give it a second life as opposed to just buying something new. And so if we can get away with this obsession away from this obsession with newness and think about durability and 
think about giving something a new life and being proud of it. Like the dress that I wore yesterday that I bought for 25 cents at a garage sale. Yes. And I'm not kidding. And it's one of my favorite dresses. So, you know, you can live a little bit more simply. You can still buy the things that you want and the things that you need, but yes. you may just need to be a little bit more careful about it and more thoughtful. Well, you get know, out of this mindless consumption. Absolutely. One of the gals I'm interviewing coming up on my, my show, A Dose of Positivity, 30 years ago, she was, this is a great story, actually. She was a art student and studying the environment. And while she was in the environmental class, they were talking about how toxic the textile business was and mm. the companies and blah, blah. And then she'd go into her art class and she was using all these acrylics and paints and toxins and all of that. So, and she needed to make some money and she was a sewer. So what she did to put herself through college was she made like the first hundred percent recycled stuffed dolls mm. and wool, satin, silk. She would go to the thrift store and she bought all these. She turned it into a full company with a factory and a small cottage factory, hiring primarily women with a daycare center in there. Mm. And it was such a beautiful combination. And if everybody were just studying and understanding this at every grade level and in every class, including the art class, how toxic art can be, if mm. you don't know the source, like you were talking about earlier, Karina, is sourcing everything from the soil and understanding in everything that we do, every action that we take, we say, is this living like the future matters? Mm -hmm. Is by buying this particular brand or this particular thing, is it living like the future matters? And that is how I came up with that. It's almost like a mantra for me. And for those that I teach, it's just like just asking that one simple question. And when you're ready to turn on an extra light in the house, is this really living like the future matters? Mm -hmm. I'm going to go buy a soda because I'm thirsty and it's an old pattern and I'm addicted to this Coca-Cola. <laughs> is this living like the future matters? When you think like you did going to the garage sale and buying your favorite dress for 25 cents, and not only did you do that, and not only did you wear that, you're sharing that story. These are the stories that if we continue each of us every day, instead of being ashamed of something like that, that is like, wow, I want to sign your dress. You know, yeah. this is so cool. cool. No, that dress, I, I got two or three different dresses at that. I mean, I was like, what? They're giving away for 25 cents. Right? <laughs> I'm, I'm dressed for 75 cents. So, you know, what can I yeah. I'm with you all the way. No, uh -huh. and and I, I was proud of that. I am proud of that. And I think it takes kind of making those things cool again to making build the change. And that's what the Soil of Soul Academy is about. And the other thing about what, what you're saying that brings me back to the guy who did the um, stock stuff, Zach. Um, Zach Stein. Uh, yeah, Zach Stein was saying, you know, about making investments. If you invest like that, right, you're investing in buying regenerative clothing line and you're investing in buying secondhand uh, used cars. Like I got a fleet of renewable cars, three of them, and because we rent one out for our vacation rental guests, but all for less than $30,000. And then we mm -hmm. sold our other two cars that were Priuses for each for 3000 each because we drove them till they're almost the end. So it costs us $14,000 to have three amazing energy efficient vehicles. Mm -hmm. So when we think about, and that's a story I'm proud of, right? It wasn't 25 cents, but still most people, one car is costing them 40, $50,000. Mm -hmm. And so, and one of us is a truck. So we, it's our dump truck. Literally we go to the dump with it and, and we live on a three acre farmstead. So we're harvesting fruit or whatever we need to use a truck for, right? So it's everything should have a place. Everything has a purpose. Everything that we drink, that we eat, we make that choice, am I living like the future matters? Everything in this green drink that I'm drinking was produced by my local farmer. I got cucumbers in here. I got celeries in here. I got three kinds of parsley that were growing in my own yard. I got ginger and turmeric all right here in Kohala where I live. Am I eating like the future matters? One bite at a time, we make a difference. One bite at a time. So stop thinking that when you say to something, is this living like the future matters? You know, when you say that to yourself and you say yes or no, it is. And you make the choice. Yes, it is. That's huge. One bite at a time, we make a difference. And one business at a time, we magnitude that. That's right. 
Well, listen, I want to talk for a moment before we part about your podcast yeah. and what you're doing with your podcast so that listeners here can go find you there. So tell me about your podcasting journey and what you're enjoying about that right now, what you're talking about, who you're connecting with, and how people can find you. Wow. Thank you. You know what? You are the hugest inspiration for me to really turn mine into a podcast. <laughs> um, I'm on podcast. I'm on Shopify. I, I did it on Anchor. I'm not doing very professionally, but I'm listening now to your other station that you do, the the media casters. Yeah, media casters. I had my intern on there the other day, and she connected with a couple of people on there, and we're going to be really learning from you because you got this down in such a beautiful way. I Thank stand you. on your shoulders. I will learn everything. But mine started more like just as a live show with my tribe for my Facebook group. And I realized when I was doing that, people wanted to listen to the replay. So I put it up on YouTube so that I could download it to my Facebook group. And then I realized, wow, I can go on Anchor for free. So I started doing this just maybe three, four months ago. And I've had incredible guests like Alan Cohen on there, Sally Fallon from who wrote Nourishing Traditions, who's really big in the food thing, food, really big into like it's a really interesting, little controversial, but she started the Weston A. Price Foundation, which mm -hmm. is fantastic. And also Natalie, uh, who started the GAPS diet, Natasha Campbell. She's just a wealth of information about learning how to live with more love, more attention to focus to the land, more possibilities. Mm -hmm. And I started realizing, you know, like, I want to talk to these kinds of people on Alan Cohen on spirituality. Sally Fallon, I've always wanted to meet her. And so it, it just took me coming out, going out of my comfort zone. And I knew that the information that I was sharing was going to help my small tribe live more like the future matters. And so it's serving your purpose. And people can find it on Spotify as well as on other podcasting platforms, I believe. And it's just simply called A Dose of Positivity. Yes. Right? And I interview, you're coming on the show, I think um, in September or something. Uh, and I am like, over the top excited to have you on. You're incredible. <laughs> well, I can't wait. I know we've had to reschedule a couple of times because of yeah. COVID and whatever else. Like, <laughs> yeah. But um, it's growing. Life. What we're doing is so important. These conversations that we're bringing forward are this is a dose of positivity, right? Spoonful of medicine, right? We of green drink makes the medicine go down, not sugar. That's we have right. to just unlearn so much so that we can relearn the possibilities and stay positive. That's the best thing that comes out of all this. When you are working in the regenerative movement, when you are caring more and you are being better, it is really hard to get down. Yeah. It is the most positive place we can all be. And one thing I just want to say to you, Karina, because you are a gem. Oh, thank you. Being tied to your desk is not sustainable and it is not regenerative. Someone oh, like you, right. you're going to come to Hawaii and you're going to let me like nurse you. <laughs> we have a beautiful farmstead here. And what part of what I also do is we bring guests here and we who are from burnout to bliss, right? Well, on farms, you put me to work and I'm happy because yeah, I, I will literally muck stalls and work with the animals because that's what feeds my soul. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I'll look forward to one day seeing your farm, Mama Donna. Do you have one thought that you'd like to leave our audience with, or perhaps a tip or a tool that you'd like them to take with them as we close? Yeah. Wow. Live like the future matters and know that you matter. And really one bite at a time, one person at a time, like Margaret Mead said, it's, it's just a small group of people who made the changes in the world. And indeed, that, that's all it takes is for all of us to come together and, and collaborate and not be fearful, not live in fear, media, and conspiracy. Live in positivity. Live with love in your heart. Live with a mantra as, hey, I'm living like the future matters. And you will feel better. If you're on medication, you will be able to get off most medications when you live like the future matters because you're eating like the future matters. If you are feeling overwhelmed with clutter and chaos in your life. If you live like the future matters, that stuff goes away, including the thoughts in your mind. And when we encounter the connection, the interconnection, the intergenerally relationships, not just with 
humankind, but with all of life kind. And that is something through my legacy and my life is to really interconnect humanity to the systems and cycles of nature, to live in life kind, not with humankind. Once we do that, once we understand that the ants make up weight per weight, 10 times more than all the humans on the planet. And they are gonna be here long after humans. So are the cockroaches and the rats. And these are the things that we annihilate. These are the things that are pests. They are part of the community. They, all of this is part of it. And well, if building, we, building a healthy planet is something we all need to be concerned with. That's so. the last thing I was gonna say, building yeah. a healthy planet and interconnecting that we are the planet. We are made up of all the elements of mother nature. That's right. Well, listen, Mama Donna, thank you so much for joining me today. It was a privilege and an honor and to know you and to continue to know you, sweetheart. Thank you so much for all you do, all oh, you be, you. and how you help us all care more and be better. <laughs> well, thank you for the plug. I appreciate you. Need it. That's fantastic. So I will be sure to include links to Mama Donna's website, donnamaltz.com, with our show notes, the audio and video version of this podcast episode, complete transcripts, and the resources discussed today, all on Care More, Be Better. As we wrap today, I implore you to lean into discovery, stay curious, and really ask questions. Invite your inner toddler to enjoy a moment in the sunshine. Heck, it's the longest day of the year. Enjoy every moment of it. Doing so will ensure you continue to grow and you'll stay motivated and optimistic to create change. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe so you're sure to be notified each time we release new content. And if you do want to reach out and tell me what you loved or what you didn't, I appreciate every outreach. Send me a note at hello at caremorebebetter.com. If you'll do me the favor of writing a review wherever you listen, that certainly helps more people discover the show. Remember those reviews, those messages, they are the fuel that keeps us podcasters going. And I would love to hear your voice. You can even leave me a voicemail on caremorebebetter.com. All right, listeners, this has been my honor and my privilege. I just love all of you. Together, we can do so much more. So I just invite you to lean in and enjoy a moment in the sunshine as summer starts. Thanks for listening to Care More, Be Better, a podcast for social good. To make sure you never miss an episode, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. And share with your friends to help us reach more people and spread more social good.